0: Hey, I'm Steve Fallon, how are you doing? Thanks for listening! This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that makes self-assessment and VAT easy. They've been making tax digital for years. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com/slash being freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for graphic designer Lindsay Yates.
1: So I set up, I tried to avoid the word networking, and I set up a social meetup for creative freelancers. The other freelancers, and all other all the freelancers, they get the idea of working as a collective. I'm not entirely sure that clients get it yet. Quiet periods when you when you're in employment usually mean you end up getting something dumped on your desk that you don't want to do, Um, or you know in the worst case scenario you get made redundant. But quiet periods when you're freelancing can be quite fun.
0: Yeah, so there is Lindsay, um, this week's guest. Remember, whatever they do, she's a graphic designer, but whatever they do for a living, it's all about the Being Freelancer. If you've not listened to every single episode, and to be fair, if you have, I'm impressed because there's like what 160 or so now. (laughs) Go take a look wherever you get your podcasts at beingfreelance.com and make sure you listen back. There is so much to learn, whatever the job that they might do. Also, come find us in the community. Being Freelance has its own place online where you can join other freelancers from around the world. I love that about it. Come and join in at the conversations and the giving away of stuff, (laughs) the weekly biscuit giveaway. You'll have to be there to understand. Also, the Facebook Live Q&As, which have been fun that we've been doing recently. Anyway, come join us. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. And as ever, I'm still doing my vlog. So I'm a freelancer too. I'm a video and audio production freelancer. And each week I document my freelance life. is a sort of a mixture of that and trying to be a parent and <laughs> also of course doing this as a silly big side project too. So you can follow my journey as a freelancer as it unfurls every week on YouTube but there's a link for that too at beingfreelance.com. Right let's crack on shall we and chat to this week's guest freelance graphic designer Lindsay Yates. Hey Lindsay. Hi Steve. Thanks for doing this. So how about, as ever, we get started hearing how you got started being freelance?
1: Okay, so my route to going freelance was a bit of a long winding one. I think I originally first ever even thought about going freelance when I was at university. So when our tutors were talking to us about the options available to us once we left, obviously working in an agency was mentioned, working in-house was another option and working for yourself and little young me was like I want to work for myself that sounds awesome I don't want to work for anybody else (laughs) Um, and then I left university and I didn't have a clue how to work for myself and I ended up getting a job in Curry's that you know popular store
0: So Currys, for those listening around the world, is like an electrical store. So selling everything from a cooker to an iMac sort of thing. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, So so,
0: so it isn't in-house or an agency.
1: No, no. It was just one of those, you know, back at home parents say, get a job. Okay, I'll I'll go get something. So I went and and I did that. um, And I met, I actually met my partner there. Um, oh, and it, well, was, it was in a it was, yeah it was worth it for you know that reason I was in a conversation with him he's like you're not going to do something with this degree that you've got I mean it seems a bit of a waste of time to spend three years at university and then not actually do anything with the degree at the end of it so I started looking for jobs and one came up in a town called St. Helens which is quite close to where I was living and it was in-house for a insulation company and it was a german insulation company and i didn't even know how to pronounce the name of said company <laughs> <laughs> i asked about it's it's Knauf, but it's spelled k n a u um, f so usually in english you'd be like nauf or noful or, you know and i went i went for the interview and um, long story short i got that job so that was great i had my first graphic design job and it was a really good company to work for I had a great team of people to work with. The money wasn't bad. There was a good bonus scheme. Um, I learned loads of things that I wasn't taught at university from the other graphic designer in the marketing department. Got to sort of see from the client side, I guess, what, what clients wanted because the marketing department also used external agencies. So I got to see what they did right and wrong. And I ended up staying there for about eight years in the end. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, in 2013, I became pregnant um, with my little girl, Holly, and I decided that I would take a full year off. And in that year off, I started to get itchy feet, started wondering, oh, you know, maybe maybe I could do something else. Maybe it's time I did something else. But um, after the year, I went back and... During that year, Mark began freelancing, so Mark is my partner, and he started doing quite well. So after about, it must have been about 10 months of being back in work, I thought, you know what, I, he's doing it, I, I can do it too, you know, if he can do it, <laughs> then I, why not me? So I handed my notice in, and in October 2015, I officially
0: went freelance. You got that. So, And what does Mark do as a freelancer?
1: He is a web developer.
0: Right. Okay. So, so when, to 2015, we've gone through Curry's, we've gone into Calouf or whoever they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and come out the other side with a baby and a freelance career for you both. So yeah. How, how did it feel? Like, had you, did you feel confident making that move and, and where did you get your first clients?
1: I think I felt overly confident. Um, (laughs) And in actual fact, finding clients was way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, I started off with a lot of networking, a lot of phone calls and emails to people. My first client actually came out of my old job. Canalford sold part of their business, and the people that went with that part of the business, um, their new business wanted to use me as their graphic designer because I, I knew the industry so um, that was how I got my first client and I think that's quite a common story is that you know it's it's it tends to come from people you've already met um, word of mouth seems to be a really common way of getting freelance clients so yeah they were my first and that, and that was good because it was it was an area I felt comfortable working in. But, yeah, it, it took quite some time. I was I did start to panic at first because I was like, oh, no, like graphic designers aren't quite as in demand as web developers. So whereas Mark could just sort of sit on his hands and do nothing and people would come to him because he's a web developer and everybody wants web developers at the moment, it wasn't the same for me. Um, so I, I found um, I needed to start doing something different, and then I saw that the Chamber of Commerce in Liverpool were running a course called Up. Sadly, it's no longer running. Um, and it was basically a course with mentorship programs and um, speakers coming in, tasks that you'd be given to enable people to set up their own businesses. So I went on that and I went in with the idea that me and Mark would make a really good sort of mini agency. So as I mentioned, he's a web developer. I'm a graphic designer. It sounds like a match made in heaven. And that that was my business idea. That was what I went in with <laughs> over the... Oh, gosh, it must have been on for probably about 10 weeks, 12 weeks, something like that. Over those weeks, I came to realize that what I wanted to do and what Mark wanted to do were very different things. And the way I wanted to brand a business and just every aspect of running a business was totally different to how Mark would
0: want to do things. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall. Did that like cause friction or, or was it cool?
1: Um, it was cool. It was cool. You know, we came. I came home, I'd have a conversation about what I'd done that day at this um, on this SparkUp course. And he'd be like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, right, OK, um, I'll try something else then. And then, you know, I'll come home the next time and be like, oh, I've had this really good idea. And um, no, I don't like that either. It
0: must have been frustrating.
1: <laughs> it was. It was frustrating. Um, but not everybody who you know lives together can work well together. And maybe it was a, a blessing in disguise.
0: That is so, so true. And great that you found it out at that stage rather than having gone into business together and then finding it out.
1: Definitely. Because one of one of the lessons we learned on that course was um, to fail fast. So they wanted to really put us through the ringer and make sure that at the end of it, we came up with a business that would work, not one that was going to fail when we didn't have the support of them any longer. So they wanted to make sure that if it was going to fail, it failed whilst we were still doing the course.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what happened as the course went on?
1: So at that point, Me and Mark were both working in a co-working space in Liverpool called Basecamp, and there was talk amongst us all that we kind of had an agency in the room. So there was web developers, graphic designers, illustrators, um, radio talk hosts, there was a huge range of people. And, And we sat down one day and we sort of tried to figure out if anybody would like to maybe look into start working collaboratively. And it didn't really happen and nothing nothing really came out of it. There were a few people that said, honestly, I've got enough work on as it is. I'm happy as I am. It's a good idea, but I don't think it would benefit me. And there was a few other people who were really excited about the idea of it, but nothing ever came from it. But it gave me this idea of this sort of collaborative way of working. And I, I went back to... The course I was on with this idea of a, of a collective, of a creative collective. So sort of running basically an agency made up out of freelancers.
0: So you're saying by the end of the course, you had the idea of, of a, an agency made out of freelancers, but you didn't actually have the freelancers because the people you knew weren't on board. Yeah, but, yeah, gotcha. yeah. So did you decide to take that Forward, or did you think, oh well, I'll just go back to being me as a solo graphic designer and figure it out?
1: So I kept on being me as a solo graphic designer because there were bits and pieces of work coming through um, various avenues, but the end goal was to set up this collective that would be able to take on bigger
0: projects than
1: I would be able to do on my own.
0: Cool. What was it about that idea that like, got you excited? Presumably,
1: it was the idea that. Quite often, like my my partner had worked at agencies, and I've got friends who've worked at agencies. And quite often, design agencies use freelancers to do the work that they do for clients. But the freelancers don't really get the recognition for that. It's the agency that did it, and it's the agency's name that goes on all the work. But it was a freelancer that did it. You know, sometimes it's the full time staff, but you know, usually it's just one or two people. Um, And I thought, wow, there's loads of these people, these freelancers all over the place, many within a very small distance of where I was. And we could totally offer those services, the same services that a a design agency could. And we'd be able to get much bigger projects working together than than we would on our own. So I like the idea of being able to get, you know, some really nice, juicy, big clients. But it's not often that, those clients want just a graphic designer. They quite often need a full team of people. They might need a graphic designer, a copywriter, a photographer, um, and it would be good if we could offer all of that. Interesting,
0: but you didn't actually yourself have experience of working for an agency because you were in house, and it, so it's a different setup, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did you go about? about finding those other people like what happened next
1: um I set up a networking group so I know a lot of freelancers hate the word networking the very thought of it just sends shivers down their spine (laughs) and I'd been to a few networking groups and some of them feel just a little bit too forced I don't like the idea of having to stand up and give a 60 second pitch about my business I don't like the idea of having to, you know, recommend somebody else to bring with me or that kind of thing. So I, I set up, I tried to avoid the word networking. And I set up a social meetup for creative freelancers. And I, I just popped it up on online. And yeah, we've got like I think there was about eight people turned up at the first one.
0: How many how many came to the second one?
1: Oh, I can't remember, you know. It's <laughs>
0: I've got a terrible or memory.
1: I think it's actually less at the second one it varies loads and I've played <laughs> around with with the dates and the times and things and I'm quite bad at keeping it a regular thing as well I haven't done one for ages but I did meet other freelancers through it um, and I had met a couple of freelancers at the co-working space that I kept in touch with that did really good work and yeah I just sort of built up my little network from there
0: and then what happened though, because there's still quite a leap from meeting other th- freelancers, as you'd found in the co workspace, space, to finding people who did want to collaborate or building that relationship, which would lead to that.
1: Yeah, it's still an ongoing process, to be honest. There's probably four people that I would say are in <laughs> the collective and probably another 30 people that I've got the details of on my, like a spreadsheet that I When I see projects, I know they're there, and if something comes up that I think will really suit them, I'll get them in and we'll
0: pitch together for something. Cool. So you did manage to pull it off. You got that collective together. And what year was that?
1: Probably only 2017. It probably took a good couple of years for me to really...
0: And who was in it then? So you're a graphic designer. What are the other roles?
1: So I've um, got Andy, who's a 3D Uh, animator who i used to work with um so he does any 3d animation work that comes through there's adam who's a web developer mark (laughs) i sort of count him as in the collective because he's also (laughs) a web developer and he's quite capable of doing work with us but he's since taken on a full-time job
0: right okay
1: and then there's two copywriters there's dave and there's simon and there's also a photographer um called
0: antonio I'm sure this sounds like more than four people but that's (laughs)
1: five it's five if you can't mark but yeah four.
0: (laughs) brilliant but there's so many more questions of course because like do you all work together who finds the work so let's start with the first one are you like all working remote or did you all end up in a co-work space
1: no all remote I work from home Dave is in a co-working space Simon's from home. Adam is a mixture of both.
0: Yeah. And then who brings in the work? Is it like a collective responsibility or?
1: It should be a collective responsibility, yeah. So, um, and it has worked that way, actually. Um, Simon brought some work to me. Um, So he had a client that he was doing copywriting for and we did a brochure together Dave, similarly, was working on some copywriting for an accountant and they needed some design work doing, so he brought that to me. And then I always keep an eye out for, it's the bigger projects that I want to keep an eye out for, so I tend to keep an eye out um, for projects and we, we tend to um, write tenders for work together. So me and Adam have been doing a, a lot more of that recently.
0: So tenders, so pitches for bigger pitches, projects. Pitches, Sorry,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not massively successful. I'm still, I still seem to be much better uh, getting work for myself than getting work for the collective, and it's something I, I'm just keep on plugging. I think the other freelancers and other, all other freelancers get it. They get the idea of working as a collective. I'm not entirely sure that clients get it yet and maybe that's work i need to do
0: yes i was gonna say so how do you present yourself so if you were going for a bigger project what do you call yourselves
1: we present ourselves as nine dots
0: creative and so i would see that as an agency as a production house as a
1: i started off originally saying you know it's a collective of freelancers I think that's still a a jump too far. So now I tend to just say we're an agency and then down the line if they need to know more about the details of how we work then.
0: Yeah. The funny thing is, of course, many agencies really are a collective of freelancers. (laughs)
1: Exactly. As you you said earlier. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, okay, but is Nine Dots creative an actual sort of business entity, as in is Nine Dots billing for this work if forgive me if i'm getting their names wrong but if the copywriter brings a project in and you end up doing design work is that the copywriter's project or does it go as nine dots creative and your billing as nine dots
1: it's varied actually um a couple of projects we've billed separately so the copywriter is um billed separately to me and then on a couple of projects um like when andy does 3d work i just invoices nine dots creative and sort of pay him as a contractor.
0: Right. So Nine Dots does exist as a business. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, who has responsibility for that? As in, there has to be, I would have thought, some sort of structure in place as to if people leave or there's some sort of problem with people being paid. I, I don't know. What, In fact, that's a question in itself. Like, what did you come up against when creating it?
1: So far, it's all been relatively plain sailing. I can't think of any issues that we've had. It's set up. um, It's not a limited company. It's still just a trading name, as me as a a self-employed person. Um, Setting up as a limited company is something that I'm looking to do possibly this year.
0: Ah, okay. So actually, Nine Dots Creative is a trading name of Lindsay Yates as a sole trader. Okay, right. It's all (laughs) coming together, but you are thinking of making it more... Well, not official. That's not the right. But, you know, as going a limited company?
1: Yeah, it feels more official. Um, I suppose it is. (laughs) It might enable us to work with some of the bigger
0: clients. That's a really interesting first step on that, isn't it? Like rather than just taking that leap.
1: Yeah, because I, I didn't want to go too official too soon because I wasn't sure if it was going to work. I still don't know if it's going to work. You know, it, my my freelance um, work is has been pretty consistent for the past year, but the work for the collective is less so.
0: But your so your work is getting more regular. But do you feel like part of that is coming off of what Nine Dots as a collective is doing?
1: I don't think it is. I don't oh, okay. think it is.
0: So how, in that case, where, where is your work coming from?
1: Mostly word of mouth. It's usually from people that I've worked with in the past because people tend to change jobs quite often. So they leave where they were working with you and go somewhere else and you get a phone call a few months later. I've actually had a couple of jobs on just from replying to somebody on Twitter yeah, you know, somebody said, oh, I'm looking for a graphic designer. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm one. And, you know, send them an email. And I've had a couple of jobs that way. I've had a couple from freelance communities on Facebook. So there's a uh, Freelance Heroes Facebook group and uh, doing it for the kids free, uh, group. I've met a couple of people through that that have needed a graphic designer. have got work that way. And then two other clients actually from, and it's this isn't a way I would usually recommend working, but when I had a bit of a quiet time really early on, I got on people per hour. And usually most of the jobs on sites like that are really low paid, not really worth bothering with, but occasionally you do find a couple of diamonds in there. And I did find two clients who were, willing to pay the going rate for a good graphic designer <laughs> so a couple came out of that yeah
0: and if i was to go looking for lindsey yates like you know online this is i'm not like going hunting in west lancashire if i was going looking for you like would i find uh lindsey yates or would i find nine dots creative um you'd
1: probably find a mixture of both um, because I have used my Lindsay Yates name to do surface pattern design as well. <laughs> still, still trying to decide what name goes with what, and yeah, it.
0: Do you have separate websites?
1: I did have a lydesign.co.uk website, but it's really out of date. That was me, since as a single freelancer. I set up the Nine Dots Creative website pretty early on and decided I was just going to put all my work on there and kind of abandoned the Lindsay Yates website. And then I also had a company kind of name from previous projects, like side projects when I was employed, called Lindsay Loop, and I used to sell um, handmade items and things, and I, I kind of repurposed that. So now my surface pattern design work sits under lindsay loop my graphic design work sits under nine dots creative and um, my ly design stuff i think is going to be phased out
0: yeah so do you still do like actual product creation surface pattern design work just to explain to people would that mean that you've created a pattern and then you put it on something like a print on demand website and i could have it printed on a mug or a apron or a tea cushion or is that the kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I do that, yeah. And I, I sell um designs on a site called Spoonflower where you can buy fabric with designers' prints on. And it's just for me, it's a a a way of um having a more creative outlet that's not as corporate as some of the client work that I do. Um, It's more illustrative work and it's just something that I kind of like to do. And I figured, well, if I'm doing it anyway, I may as well try and make a little bit of money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a creative outlet side project wise, but actually. Yeah. And so with those kind of things, you've got no risk in terms of buying product because it's all on demand.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. Cool.
0: Of course, we'll put links, by the way, to everything we're talking about at beingfreelance.com. So go to take a look. You mentioned earlier co-workspace and then working from home. So is that purely a logistical thing, or did you go off the idea of co-workspace? Like, how, how have you chosen where to work?
1: Oh, it's a bit of a story in itself, actually. Excellent. That's what um, we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark was in a co-working space because he just needed to be out of the house. And when I went freelance... I really like that co-working space. So I asked if on the days Mark wasn't using his desk, if I could use his desk. And the guy running the co-working space very kindly agreed to let that happen, which was lovely because, again, it's just nice to get out of the house sometimes. But then it turned out that I wanted to be there more often and Mark would want to be there at the same time. So in the end, we decided we'd keep Mark's full-time desk and then I would pay for a hot desk. So we did that for a while. Um, And while we were there, an opportunity came up in a a new venue, Um, a place called the Invisible Wind Factory was a, or is a music venue. But above it, it had a lot of um, artist and studio spaces. Um, and they they posted some photos up online and I was like, oh, that looks really nice. I'd, I'd like our own studio. That'd be lovely. And Mark's like, don't be ridiculous. It's going to be really expensive. But I went and had a look anyway. And Rob, a guy called Rob, showed me round um, and he, he took me into this lovely studio. Loads of space, um, view of the Mersey. You could fit probably six to eight people in there. And we could do what we wanted with it. Um, And when he told me the price, it was £10 less than what we were paying for the full-time desk and the hot desk at the co-working space. So I nearly bit his hand off. And then I went back to Mark and he asked all the sensible questions like, what's the internet connection like? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You go and ask all the sensible things. It's pretty and it's big. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, he, so he went and asked all the sensible questions and got all the sensible answers he needed. And, and we moved into that. So we were there working together. That was really nice. But then in yeah December 2016, I had a late paying client, and Mark had a late paying client, which completely screwed us up for Christmas time. Um, and I ended up having to borrow money off my dad, and it kind of ruined the relationship with one of Mark's main clients because he was just chasing and chasing for this money. We decided we couldn't go through that again. And after a lot of conversation, um we decided that Mark would go and get a full-time job. So we had at least one guaranteed income, which left me in the studio on my own, which was nice at first, but it just started to get a bit lonely. And then it seemed a bit silly that um, I was dropping Holly off at nursery, 10 minutes down the road from our house in West Lancashire, and then driving 40 minutes into Liverpool, to sit in a studio that I was paying you know, X amount a month for to then drive 40 minutes back to pick her up. And the studio wasn't of any business benefit to us. It didn't get me any more clients. There was nobody in there to to collaborate with. And I thought, you know what, I could save this money and just work from home. So um, eventually, and begrudgingly, because I really, really loved that studio, I handed our notice in there and
0: decided to work from home how are you finding that now?
1: It's really nice you know I I love that I haven't got a commute that's great um saves me a fortune in fuel I do need to get out more often I definitely need to head into Liverpool and do more networking events um I have been speaking to a couple of people about Nine Dots Creative and another entity in Liverpool collaborating on some networking events for creatives because I haven't done one for so long and it yeah, it's something I need to start up again. But yeah, again, you know, now Holly's in school and it is a 3 minute drive from home to school. So it's nice. I like it.
0: Yeah. And actually school hours are perhaps more restrictive than nursery hours, it depends, but
1: Yeah, I mean, I ended up um so when she was in nursery, I did a 3 day week. I had two days at home with her. And then when she started school, I obviously got to do a five day week, but it was nine till three instead of nine till five. Um, but I have ended up with a few more hours since she's been at school to work.
0: Yeah. So actually how, how is work life balance for you guys?
1: I think for me, it's really good for Mark. He's not so happy in like full-time work. He doesn't get in till seven. So, you know, that's like bedtime, but at least one of us is at home to pick Holly up from school. I think before Holly, um, work-life balance for us would have been all about how many holidays we could take and how much time we had left to do the things in life that we don't get paid for. But now with Holly, um, our priority was making sure one of us is always there to pick her up from school. Because we both had parents who did that and it felt important being freelance it also means that i can set when i work so if something does come up like at school or if holly's sick or needs to go to an assembly i can usually shimmy things around a bit and then still when there's quiet periods i can use that to do the things that i want to do um you know quiet periods when you're when you're in employment usually mean you end up getting something dumped on your desk that you don't want to do um or you know in the worst case scenario you get made redundant but quiet periods when you're freelancing can be quite fun (laughs)
0: yes here's to that now speaking of fun I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what have you got for me Lindsay
1: okay so I once drove non-stop from Liverpool to Italy with friends to go to a music festival I once abseiled off the civic center in Carlisle dressed as a chicken and I once fell off a motorbike going around a roundabout.
0: Oh, god! Okay. Well, you drove from Liverpool to Italy non-stop. It's, it's, it's the non-stop which I've underlined there. <laughs> How yeah. long did it take you?
1: About thirty hours um, between me and so there was four of us, and there was me and one of the friends that drove. So between the two of us. We did non-stop from
0: Liverpool to Italy. Four of you. Yeah. In what car?
1: Um, in the oh, the first one was we we did it twice. So the first year I think was a Mondeo, and the second year was a Primera that had only had the engine put in three days before we went.
0: You <laughs> you dressed as a chicken to abseil down a massive building in Carlisle. I'm presuming that was for charity and not just on a lunch break.
1: Yeah, it was for cancer research.
0: Did you have to be dressed as a chicken?
1: No, no. I just thought, like, for me, it's really hard to pick something that I'm actually scared of doing. People ask me what my greatest fear is, and I'm like, "I, I don't really have one. Um, and I needed to get as much money as possible. So I thought it'd be more fun if I dressed as a chicken.
0: Ah, yes. Because people really want to sponsor you when you're pushing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I always think that. Or looking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, (laughs) yeah, I could sponsor you to do a skydive, but you're the sort of idiot who always jumps out of a plane. So actually, yes, doing it as a chicken. That makes sense. Okay. (laughs) Roundabout. Roundabout. So were you like driving the motorbike?
1: Yes, I was riding the motorbike um and I'd not long had the bike. Um it was a 125 and I really don't know what happened but one minute I was round the roundabout going round quite happily and the next minute I was just like on the floor sliding along and it was really embarrassing.
0: Ow. Going fast or?
1: No, that's the, <laughs> that's not funny but I was I wasn't going fast at all. I just kind of I don't know, still learning. So I just kind of toppled over, just didn't quite do the turn right.
0: Okay, I'll be honest, Lindsay, I have no idea. (laughs) The story about being so fearless that you do anything... So therefore you dress it like that has so much authenticity, but that makes sense. Unless of course, the double bluff here is that actually you're scared of everything and would never have done that. But there again, if you are scared of everything, then you wouldn't be riding a motorbike. So is that true? And going round and round about that almost, I don't know, it's in some ways I imagine on a motorbike, it's probably easier to fall off when you're going slower, though. So maybe that does make sense. I've only ever been on the back of one, not actually had to be in charge of it. Liverpool to Italy. The fact that you've entered you did it twice. I don't, I don't, would you do it twice? That sounds like hell. 30 hours nonstop in a Mondeo. That's what you should have been being sponsored for. So (laughs) I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say the roundabout. You've never ridden a motorbike in your life. And that's a lie.
1: Um, No, that is not the lie. (sighs) What's the lie? The lie is that I once up off the Civic Centre in Carlisle oh. just as a chicken. Ah.
0: <laughs> that was so, Well, well done. You, abs- But that does mean you did drive to Italy in a car non-stop twice, which is... Yeah. <laughs> you just try it
1: sometimes. It's great. You just, you just need, like, a whole boot full of Red Bull.
0: <laughs> now... Um, If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be?
1: Even if you're working for your own mother, have a contract or a set of terms and conditions, because it is so much easier to resolve issues when everything is down in writing before a project begins, because you have that to refer to.
0: Mm. Yeah. So in your terms and conditions, a lot of that would be in like the scope of it and stuff, would it?
1: Yeah, get the scope written down, you know, if it's um basically write down as much as you possibly can, even down to what kind of hours that, you know, your client can expect you to be available for just everything that a, a contract should have. Because you can kind of use the contract as the bad guy then, you know, when when your client is doing something that something you don't want to be happening, you can refer to the contract and say, Look, it says here and you
0: signed it. And that scenario where you had the late paying clients that one December, have you managed to not have late paying clients since? Like, have you managed to do anything to stop that or?
1: Most of my clients now, apart from one, pay on time, like one within minutes of me voicing them, which is great. But, yeah, <laughs> never letting that one go. The odd one that does pay late, I know they always pay eventually and I usually understand the reasoning behind it. I've had to threaten a late payment fee once. I can be a really nice person, but I almost have to put on a different hat when it comes to getting paid and and just forget about trying to be friendly and pleasing everybody and, and just be like, no, I've done the work, pay
0: me. <laughs> it's a fair point. Listen, Lindsay, it's been so good to, wow. Well, I mean, honestly, what a story. <laughs> it's been great hearing from you. If you want to find out more about Lindsay, of course, find it online and go and say hi to her. Then uh, go to beingfreelance.com there are links through to all of our guests. Check out the other guests as well. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, also to the videos on YouTube and come join us in the community as well, the Being Freelance community. There's a link through to that from being... Freelance.com. But for now, Lindsay, thank you so much and all the best being freelance.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Goodbye.